Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Another thought-provoking episode of Blunt Business is upon us. Thanks for joining me. Sitting beside here in the studio's new microphone, well, new setup for the microphone, camera, all this good setup, which I never use necessarily for video for broadcasting, but it's nice to go ahead and talk to my guests from wherever they might be situated on the program. My next guest has decades of experience in working with and advising public and private companies on financial management and controls, M&As, capital market transactions, and operating and financing financial restructurings. My guest is the CEO of TerraTech. Frank Nuttall joins me here on Blunt Business. Frank, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you today. My pleasure. Definitely want to get into the area of investment and finance here on the program. Bob Hoban. Uh, I don't think I've ever had him on this program, but we've definitely had him on. Most recently was at our High Society with Paxton Quigley series. So I would go definitely go and recommend all of you to go and check that out. Uh, he re- writes regularly for Forbes magazine, Hoban Law Group, and he recently wrote, quote, there are indicators, not the least of which was the House of Representatives passage of the Moore Act that senior members of the Biden administration, like Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, are moving toward federal cannabis legalization. This is a building a wave of momentum for U.S. cannabis investment and goes hand in hand with the trend of industry consolidation we've been seeing in recent months. With its growing enthusiasm and confidence, increasing mergers and acquisition activity, and investors looking for companies to fund, one must ask the question, how does one evaluate cannabis investments? So an overall question I want to ask you, Frank, talk to me about the opportunities that TerraTech is focusing on and what opportunities are in your purview. I appreciate it. That, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, certainly uh, appreciate the um the considerable level of M&A activity we expect to see in the industry. Uh, and I will note that, frankly, I expect to see that M&A activity regardless of federal legality, uh, in that at this point, uh, so many of the states have legalized at either the REC or MED level and are operating uh, with a federal government that has, at this point, been largely hands-off. Uh, certainly, there are disruptions with respect to commercial banking and a whole bunch of operating aspects. But from a purely legal perspective, the uh, industry continues to operate, um, you know, uh, re- relative to ir- irrespective of federal illegality. Um, so I, I very uh, strongly support uh, Bob's perspective uh, that there'll be quite a considerable level of, of both investment and m activity. Uh, irrespective, as I mentioned, of federal legality. With respect to TerraTech in particular, uh, we see, um, in addition to the federal illegality moat, as I call it, and by that I mean uh, the cannabis sector is, at the current time, because of federal illegality, protected from competition from uh, beverage, tobacco, CPG companies, uh, as an industry. And then further to that, TerraTech has got a, an additional moat uh, with respect to the states in which it operates. Uh, by that, I mean uh, our primary states of operation are California and Oregon and Nevada. And certainly with respect to California and Oregon, 
many of the large MSOs have tended to avoid moving into the California market at the current time. That is starting to change, but I think, frankly, with uh, the legalization in other states, that uh, it's not going to change necessarily very quickly. And as a result, Teratech has an additional moat around its, its business. And uh, our uh, goal is to develop uh, the largest footprint in the California and Oregon market uh, to be vertically integrated across cultivation, dispensaries, brands, distribution, and delivery, uh, and to create the largest basically West Coast focused brand uh, or, or umbrella of companies at, at this juncture and going forward. I want to so ask you this real quick, Frank. Given all this, we know that we don't have a real timetable as to when legalization will be passed. We're, we're getting, we're starting to get a lot of indicators that make us feel like it's coming much sooner than later. And we know there are going to be mergers and acquisitions that are going to be in play. But what I want to also know from your perspective is how important is, is it for the consolidation that wants to be made by a company in order to be competitive in the market once legalization comes into play? Because we already know that alcohol, tobacco, and other industries are going to jump in pretty quickly once legalization gets initiated. So is there a game plan that you feel like that, need to be, that will be made or anything that you can kind of forecast that looks like we're going to see corporate America is going to jump right in because they're going to just see this as a new field of investment, a new playing ground, and the companies need to shore up what they have in terms of uh, having a strong company ready to ready to compete. Yeah, I, I think it's unequivocal that the um, large tobacco and beverage companies will come into the space as soon as it's legal. Um, you know, if you look at Philip Morris, they have a, a approximately a 90 to $100 billion market cap. Uh, they've got a really good cash cow, but it's a cash cow in a declining business, whereas cannabis is ascendant in, uh, in the industry and, and in the country. So uh, I readily expect that uh, upon legalization, there will be considerable competition from traditional mainstream businesses. And I think as part of that, we as an industry and participants in the industry need to get larger and more operationally efficient to become truly competitive. Um, the largest cannabis company in the sector has a market cap, you know, two, 3% or whatever it is of, of Philip Morris and doesn't have the hundred years or more of experience in, in running what is effectively a pretty similar type of operation. There's obviously you know, different types of regulation in both industries, but they're both regulated plant-based industries. Um, so I think for the cannabis companies, there's gonna have to be uh, an increased level of scope and scale to be truly competitive with uh, you know, some of the larger CPG, tobacco and beverage companies when they come in the industry. And we know that some of those companies right now are already embedded themselves into lobbying efforts within the cannabis industry via the U.S. Cannabis Council and the Coalition for, uh, I forget, a for policy, cannabis policy, education and regulation, CPIR. We know that's already in there. It's not necessarily a financial backing, but it is definitely a support to help get across the finish line legalization, obviously getting there. Voices to the ears of policymakers on Capitol Hill. We can see that happening. Now, we also need to look at examples of role models from two other markets. The ultimate, and more from Bob Hoban and Forbes, 
the United States is now sandwiched between two nations that have enacted federal cannabis reform in Canada, Mexico. It's no longer a question of if, but of when the U.S. will move forward with some form of medical or adult use cannibalization at a federal level. Now, in Canada, I want to make this point to you, segue here, that cannabis reform is getting supporters at the highest level of American politics, leading to a wave of excitement and causing investors to position for market entry, which is what I was mentioning before. But when that time comes, capital will begin flowing into the market that will far exceed what happened in Canada on the heels of their legalization because we saw exactly the same kind of thing that could happen here play out on a smaller scale. But I mean, I know smaller scale sounds oxymoronic because the amount of money that Canopy or Aurora and others put in to the investment to uh, warehousing, to their staffing, to creating large companies – and then they're struggled to be able to go ahead because they had so much supply, but the demand was constricted and was being handicapped. So then they had to go to an import-export model. So there was a lot of the reaction that we expected here. Position for market entry, as Bob explains, the same thing will happen here. What did we learn from Canada? Well, so in Canada, it's, it's interesting because, as you point out, it is a, a much smaller market relative to the United States. Um, but, I, but I also readily expect, to your point, that uh, institutional capital will enter the cannabis sector. Up until now, uh, investors uh, have largely been comprised of retail or family offices and, to some minor extent, hedge funds. Uh, but legalization will bring a whole new wave of, of institutional investment into the industry. Um, and, I, and I think it's something you know we certainly should be wary of, because if you look at um, uh, states like Oregon, for example, which were considerably overbuilt uh, following legalization, the price of cannabis plummeted, and um, as it has uh, in some other states that had similar situations. So... Uh, part of it is also going to depend on what legalization looks like and the steps in which it takes. You know, my personal belief is that we'll have a model that is uh, you know, not unlike what we have now, but with federal legalization. Uh, and by that, I mean a lot of state control. So you have states like Massachusetts, which have uh, pretty considerable restrictions uh, on dispensaries and cultivation ownership. Uh, on one hand, and then Oregon on the other hand. So I, I think because of the legal construct in the U.S., we're likely to see a, you know, a state-based patchwork of laws that will mitigate some of the excesses I think that Canada went through. Um, but I do at the same time believe that institutional capital coming in will support the increased M&A activity uh, for, uh, for some of the larger players. I want to get into the merger acquisition side after the break, but I want to ask another question. When it comes to the stock market, we already know that the economy right now in America, post-pandemic, we're still – the consequences of the pandemic are going to come back to bite. So we know inflation is pretty apparent. That's about to happen. We also know that interest rates might have to be brought up because they're going to have to go and compete with inflation. Anybody in the market right now, they see – there's a lot of things that are just it's, – it's just not a fun playing field right now. To have legalization open, how many public offerings do you think will come out, IPOs, and how much will companies look at possibly getting more into publicly being traded? And then what will happen? Do you feel like that there are going to be a lot of stocks that are going to be that are now listed OTC 
that are going to then be welcome the door to NASDAQ or the S&P? So on the latter question, first, I clearly expect that the OTC companies will uplist. I mean, the OTC is a very fine market, but uh, access to capital institutional investors is, is better on the NASDAQ and the NYSE. Um, so I readily expect that there'll be a, a wave of uplisting. Uh, with respect to uh, smaller companies going public, you know, I guess it remains open. Um, there has definitely been a um, evolution of the market whereby um, investor sentiment is moving towards larger multi-state operators. And there's a disparity or a rising disparity on valuation multiples between large public companies and smaller public companies. So it does make me question a little bit about the appetite for investors to have smaller companies going public uh, as opposed to investors putting money and resources into the larger companies to acquire the smaller firms. But now, isn't there a little bit of hesitation, you feel like, with some of the venture capital, some of the seed funding that's been done lately, that that's going to have to be the route they have to go? Uh, I'm sorry, which route? The oh, that route? they might have to go publicly traded, look for public investment, as opposed to going to private investors. Uh, it's it's certainly a, a component of the equation because the you know some of the private company valuations, especially those that were entered into either pre-capital crunch in late 19 uh, or in 19 and early 20, uh, or since then have valuations that um, are definitely higher. So you know one way to to you know monetize that is to to go public versus being acquired. Um, so I, I think there's a number of aspects to the equation that um, ha will have to be considered as, as the market continues to evolve. And I think part of it also depends on, as I mentioned earlier, the method by which legalization occurs and the timing by which it occurs as um, despite the sentiment, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that, um, you know, legalization is a 21 event just based on, you know, Senate voting and, and other aspects of federal, you know, governmental policy i'm here with the ceo of terra tech frank nuttle here on blunt business after we go to a short break i want to go and talk to you about mergers and acquisitions and what the institutional markets are saying about it we'll be back right after this rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business it's time to hemp present i am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers shakers and history makers of the cannabis community radio resident hempo sapien vivian mcpeak i will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as i provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular marijuana hemp presents only on cannabis radio I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with the CEO of Terra Tech, Frank Nuttall. We've been talking now uh, about investment along the cannabis industry. Got a lot of that first break. I want to now take you to a recent press release that stated the following, quote, after the tremendous political strides the cannabis industry made in 2020, 2021 has a lot to live up to. Experts and insiders agree that this year should have a lot in store for the maturing cannabis industry for acceleration of MMAs and funding in the capital markets to continuing momentum toward legalization on the state level. 
Cheddar.com reported that they think that experts predict that shifting political preferences towards legalization in the U.S. and globally will kick off a flurry of consolidation in the cannabis industry. But mergers and acquisitions in 2021 following the onset of COVID-19 and a pre-pandemic market route that rocked the sector will be much more intentional and accredited than the land grab M&A of more cash flush years. So, Frank, I want to know what you think about this institutional investor sentiment. Uh, frankly, I think it's spot on. So if you look at the pre-middle of 18 period of time, there was a, uh, a, a, a random land grab, frankly, where companies were aggregating assets and licenses, types of businesses, almost willy-nilly. Uh, there was this just massive uh, desire to get the largest feasible footprint possible and during that period of time, there actually was reasonable amount of um, cash coming in from the capital markets and facilitating that. Uh, following, as you mentioned, the onset of the capital crunch, uh, companies had to become a lot more conscious and aware of their strategy with respect to building their companies and expanding. Mm -hmm. And we went from a market that was largely land grab uh, profits be damned to a market where cash flow counts. And, um, you know, so coming out of the capital crunch we referenced, there is quite a bit more um, discrete perspective and, and logical approach to the, um, you know, the expansion plans. And I think so. I think that uh, comment is, is absolutely spot on. And, and if you look at Historical analogies, uh, the internet being one of them, there was in the late 90s the, a massive uh, amount of capital that went in and land grab perspectives and, and building brands and companies counted and profits didn't. And then we had in, in late 2000 the, um, the, the, you know, the dot-com crash and all of a sudden, you know, not all of a sudden, but in very short order, cash flow became important and profit became important. Mm -hmm. So I think that's absolutely key right now. There's a lot more logical approach to, you know, individual companies' expansion plans and the strategy they pursue to drive towards profits and cash flow. Motley Fool of MotleyFool.com also brought up a little bit, or Fool.com. They actually also brought up uh, some comments, the thing about the merger and acquisition activity building off of 2020. They said the sector, the sector is hot again coming off of two large deals. They mentioned about in the past few months some big deals taking place, included December 2020, the near $4 billion merger, including Afria and Tilray, creating the largest cannabis company in the world of terms of revenue. How do you forecast when investors should jump in? When's the actual time that would be best for them to go ahead and come in at the best price? Because there's obviously going to be a pullback, just like any other, any other investments. Right before legalization, there's going to probably be some kind of a pullback, just like it would be a stock, to go and bring that price down so that so somebody can come in and negotiate the best possible deal to bring companies together so they can go ahead and fortify once legalization comes into play. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, you know, timing's tough. Um, even the best economic minds in the world don't know what's going to happen with inflation over the coming months and quarters. So, you know, timing is a little bit difficult, but I, I guess what I'd rather point to or, or suggest is that um, despite the 
number of, of states that have legalized for med or rec, we're still in the early stages uh, in the United States of this industry's expansion. If you look at states like Colorado, which is one of the most mature in the country, they still see year over year double digit revenue growth. Um, so from a, you know, in answering the question, I think the better way to put it or, or look at it is that, you know, whether the best time is now or next quarter, I don't know, but, you know, collectively, I think now uh, or relative to now is, is the best time because we are in such early stages of the growth cycle and that this industry uh, is going to be uh, a very large player and component of the economy. There's enormous future growth potential in the industry. Um, so I think, you know, on a, on a long-term basis, it, it's, you know, an absolutely um, great place to put investment dollars. So I want to go and come back and follow up with a little more with you on the alternative side of investment. When it comes to cannabis, we'll talk about cryptocurrency coming up through a short break. I'm here with the CEO of Terra Tech, Frank Nuttle here on Plump Business. And real quickly before we go to break, I want to go ahead and make sure to point all of you to the website, terratechcorp.com. That's T-E-R-R-A techcorp.com. Also, if you are a, like myself, a stock aficionado, you should go and take a look. They are listed on the OTC under the stock ticker TRTC. We're going to come back and talk a little crypto right after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Frank Nuttall, CEO of TerraTech here on Blunt Business with final questions. I want to go ahead and talk to you about an article that I pulled up from Benzinga. They said, quote, as cannabis banking legalization continues to stall in Congress, businesses are eager to access the national banking system. <clears throat> now, rather than wait for the federal government to get on board, though some owners and operators are increasingly looking to cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin and Ethereum, which I am actually invested in, I will just full disclosure, to solve their banking woes. Because you're not beholden to federal banking regulations, just to inform the public here, cryptocurrencies offer a number of possibilities for cannabis businesses. Using cryptocurrencies can provide cannabis companies with benefits, including blockchain transparency and security, the ability to transact online and intentionally, international, excuse me, an inflation hedge and a volatile foreign exchange market and a formal banking alternative that isn't subject to regulatory scrutiny. Culturally, using cryptocurrencies could also be a fit for many in the cannabis industry, especially those who have operated in the legacy market and are used to working outside of laws and regulations. Now, we've talked to a number of companies that have been using blockchain initiated as, you know, in a software as a service or as a uh, transactional software. So money being brought in as cash, put in blockchain, and then being cashed out again. And I've just talked to a company now that they decided to go ahead and put together an app 
to go ahead and be able to offer kind of a Fortnite kind of feel to it where they'll offer non-fungible tokens, DeFi, among other things, and it's all built on blockchain. So, and I, I think everybody needs to have to, in my personal opinion, I think everybody that's doing any kind of investment or financing, you can't just overlook crypto anymore. I think it's just too important now that people need to keep an eye out because we don't know what's going to happen. I always, for myself, I always like a portfolio of other currencies. I think well, the same thing would happen in financing in terms of investment. What do you think about all that? So I, I think it's a, a neat concept. Um, and, and frankly, it does certainly help address the uh, difficulties in um, processing credit or debit-based transactions at dispensaries. Um, uh, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and Discover are pretty hands-off on the industry right now. And, you know, we have a credit-based society. So, you know, to the extent that crypto uh, or some sort of crypto methodology helps facilitate an electronic commerce transaction, I think that's very helpful. Do you um, look at it at all where I kind of been the way that I was kind of bought into Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, others is the idea that it's not so much a currency as it is more of a commodity. You know, it's, it's, uh, I guess the extent, uh, the question is if it's a commodity, what would it be used for? And, you know, and by that, I mean, commodities like silver or gold or copper have either jewelry or uh, industrial applications. Um, you know, you could say that that you know we've moved into the 21st century, and crypto actually, you know, is a commodity by virtue of its ability to act as a financial transaction facilitator. Um, so do, I, I think. Do you think that there might be a possibility that some invest, some M and A's might be done? Like I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about you know, there's a DJ uh, David Guetta, popular, world renowned. He's putting up his house for 35 Bitcoin. Like he's willing to take Bitcoin for a large purchase. Could that kind of a purchase of a company? Could could you feasibly see that coming up down the line where Bitcoin's being used to as you, instead of like instead of stocks or instead of uh, other shares, instead of not having a, just a cash purchase, could it be done through a Bitcoin purchase? Do you think that might even be feasible? Uh, of course, it's feasible. I mean, I, I think Tesla's already taking um, um, Bitcoin uh, for the sale of its cars and and there's certainly uh, firms that are uh, open to taking Bitcoin as part of a transaction for the sale of services or goods. Um, here we're straying certainly from cannabis, and and um, you know the the thing that that I've uh, I have some fear with respect to is you know the the party that's most hurt by crypto is the federal government because the federal government has enormous value in in the outstanding float of the U.S. dollar and the credit markets. Um, and I don't know what the federal government's going to do and how it's going to react. And, um, you know, that, that is a concern weighing in the back of my mind. Well, but you know what it is, Frank? I mean, the reaction for that is, well, they're not doing anything to help, you know, control the dollar being the gold standard. They got let that let, let go 40, 50 years ago. And because of the amount of debt that we have to the, to our, what is it, almost $25, $30 trillion in debt? There's nothing being done on the government level to go ahead and turn that back. So it's going to be a bit of a fear and a panic mode to say, well, we need to find some other f form because if companies are being invested and they're going to be bought or merged together off of paper money, I mean, I would be I would probably take a little bit of hesitation myself.
Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's a whole different line of discussion. Oh, yeah. uh, the concept Agreed. of fiat currency and whatnot. Um, you know, the, the in as much as we're not doing anything as uh, federal government, I think frankly the federal government's uh, doing the inverse of something, which is making it potentially worse from a currency value perspective. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, many of the countries in the world, including Western, especially the Western ones, are doing exactly the same thing. So to the extent there's parity among currencies, I don't know that that in and of itself will have an impact. Um, certainly with respect to um, stored value and other aspects of crypto, there, there's um, some real benefit to that. Uh, the flip side, of course, is that uh, the crypto market is so incredibly volatile that using it as a stored value um, has its own risks. But then they also try to come around and say, well, there's a market cap to that compared to what there is. I don't I, I mean, I, I just like the conversation to be brought on. I don't like the fact of being, you know, where we have this level of debt. But then again, I know who's going to call out on that debt, who's going to go and call back to go and get their money back from it and there's a lot of ways to work that around if it can be done we just know that the government could absolutely go ahead and rectify the situation and they can honestly if they did that they would probably go ahead and limit the amount of chatter about crypto in the first place but they're not and until they do that it's going to continue to be an alternative yeah it, it, it's i mean it, it's clearly a um a burgeoning sort of method of payment and transactions yep. um and obviously, I, you know, there's considerable interest in it right now. And, and um, you know, it remains to be seen, I guess, a little bit how the market evolves. It's clearly something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, you know, with respect to, um, you know, back to the cannabis and how it facilitates electronic transactions, you know, the other aspect of which is the systems right now are, are pretty kludgy. And, um, you know, you don't have... With Visa, for example, you know, I think they're at 6-9 reliability. So you don't get anywhere close to that reliability doing electronic transaction through Bitcoin right now. Right. And um, so that's that's one issue. The other issue is, you know, when and if there is at least, um, you know, the, the you know, some form of a bank act which provides a safe harbor, um, once that happens, I think there's going to be a very considerable default to using the traditional credit card industry. And if that happens this year, it does make me wonder what happens with the crypto-based electronic transaction entities that are supplying or servicing the cannabis sector right now. Yeah. Oh, we could talk a whole lot more about this. And I, I appreciate you taking them out to go and, you know, let me go ahead and uh, – test your you know tamper your knowledge and really get into all this because i think it was a fascinating conversation because i just want to see there's a lot of it's a real chess game that's going to be played before legalization what's going to be done the companies because it's going to come from the individual standpoint and from the company standpoint we need to work out who are the corporate players that are going to be jumping into the space the companies that are already have been able to establish themselves what they need to fortify their ground to prepare for legalization someday and then looking at the alternatives that are coming out there and i think that's a well-rounded conversation we should be having and frank i really appreciate you doing that now i need to go and talk about TerraTech. we have not spent not one scintilla and i want to do that right now so again the website terratechcorp.com and again mentioned on the otc 
stock ticker is TRTC. I'm going to keep an eye on it because uh, the price is tempting, and I want to jump in on it. I'm just waiting for the right – honestly, I'm right, right now waiting on the cannabis stocks to be a, a good play for me to go and come back in. So I'm just – for me as an investor, I'm wanting to jump in when I know legalization is – on the horizon, in the immediate horizon, jump in on what I need to get on, jump in on, on, on a stock like TerraTech and ride it. Not to the moon, but just ride it, you know? <laughs> That's what I want to be able to do. But now, the company within itself, uh, you're offering cannabis cultivation using the industry's most innovative practices and a controlled modern greenhouse environment. Uh, and then you also offer subsidiaries in both medical cannabis and agriculture. So talk to me a little bit about TerraTech. Give us the layout of what you're doing, changing the world one seat at a time, as your website says. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, sure. So, so TerraTech uh, operates, we're vertically integrated in California, uh, and we operate dispensaries, cultivation, processing, um, as well as cultivation, processing, and manufacturing by way of a joint venture in Nevada. Uh, we have a really good platform with a wide investor base and took that opportunity to um, start aggregating complementary businesses in California, Oregon, and Nevada specifically, as part of which we entered into an agreement uh, in late February, early March to acquire Unrivaled, which is one of the largest distributors of cannabis products in California and Oregon, and actually has a good portfolio of brands led by Carova. So we uh, expect to close that one on, on July 1st, um, and uh, dramatically increase the footprint of the company. So we'll have operations at that point in the three states in which I referenced, uh, and we are fully vertically integrated across uh, brands, cultivation, and dispensaries. We further announced last week that uh, we agreed to acquire uh, a delivery direct-to-consumer business out of Sacramento, uh, Silver Streak Solutions, mm -hmm. uh, and expect to be integrating the, that company in approximately 90 days as well, and using that platform to expand our delivery direct to consumers throughout the state of California. Not only do we talk about making the plans and making the plays now to prepare, legal, prepare for legalization, that's exactly what you're doing at TerraTech. Also, see you have uh, uh, brands that you also want to go, want to go and focus here on the program. IVXX, the nation's benchmark brand of medical cannabis. And you have Blum. Uh, plus serving medical cannabis to patients. Uh, talk to me about some of the services and some of the brands you have you can feature uh, that you have right now as part of what you are, are growing and what you're providing in terms of services. Yeah, so we have both medical and recreational and a full stack of or full for portfolio of brands. So we have IVEX, which is 420 in Latin, um, which uh, <laughs> is an interesting play. Yes. Um, and uh, that's our, our house brand. And then uh, we also have, by way of the uh, the merger with Unrivaled, Carova, Sticks, and Cabana, which fit different um, lifestyle and price point approaches. So we have a full uh, portfolio of brands to offer consumers uh, and have, as I mentioned, both med and rec uh, and services specifically to the, the med market as well in California. Also, I want to just take a mention, uh, talk about Grow Op Technology. I'm looking at uh, just a bit what you have on the website in terms of a house being built and what you're doing to create sustainable, renewable solutions. Um, you're offering large-scale facilities that you're increasing production quite quickly and efficiently, grow houses. And I'm looking at the setup. I see how you have an irrigation setup, your lighting. Uh, talk to me about what it is that 
this grow up technology uh, entails? What makes it stand out? Well, it's it, the market and and our company in particular are evolving. So, um, you know, growing cannabis uh, tends to be pretty water and electricity consumptive, and there's mm-hmm. an evolution towards conservation in both those approaches. So, uh, we are moving towards um, you know now that the technology has evolved, moving towards LED technology uh, as opposed to traditional light technology for light assist or indoor cultivation, depending on the case. Um, and what, working on reclamation, water reclamation projects for all of our facilities as well to reduce our consumption and therefore our costs, as well as reduce or, or improve our conservation footprint in the market. Environmental sustainability. Very important to a lot of people out there. So, I mean, giving back to Mother Earth, I appreciate what you're doing there. So, as we're going to wrap things up, TerraTechCorp.com. Frank, thank you so much for being on with us here. Frank Nuttle, the CEO of TerraTech here on Blunt Business. And uh, really, if you want to let people go and reach back out to you, if they want to connect with you on your service we just mentioned on the end of the program or anything else in terms of what you're talking about working on, what's the best way to go and reach out and connect? So you can certainly reach out to us through uh, our website. We have uh, an online um, um, connect, connective point for, uh, to contact us. Uh, or certainly by way of um, our IR, our PR firm, who can facilitate either uh, conversations with me or, or the appropriate person within the organization. Wonderful. Frank, thanks so much for being with us here on the program. Once again, TerraTech, com, stock ticker TRTC on the OTC markets. I'll keep an eye out. I got a star on it right now, and I'm just waiting around for the right time, uh, but I'm definitely looking to go ahead and jump on board um, it's just, you know what it is, Frank? I, I don't like the whole, the, the stocks being <laughs> this, the whole AMC GameStop stuff. I just said, you know what? I'm getting out of the whole, the, like small cap stocks right now. I got low, I got some, uh, uh, ETFs right now. And I got myself in some other commodities, but I just don't want to touch the, the, the caps right now. I'm just like, Oh my God, I want to wait. But once legalization's in, I want to jump in on a company like yours. So, if, if I may, if yes. I may, it's certainly a very valid approach. I appreciate that. Um, and, and frankly, you know, our perspective is to uh, work to avoid any of the, the reddits or the hype associated with it. And frankly, yeah. just to build a good company. And at that point, the stock price will follow. We're not driving the business to, to change the stock price. We're driving the business to make a better business. If what I'm seeing, there's a lot of good to be said. It's just that you know, if I if I felt like everything was being played right, we weren't having all this uh, supposed, I would think a little bit of manipulation. Then I would be in. But it's right now. I think everybody needs to be wary about what they're doing with their stock trading right now, especially if they're swing trading, because even though you might have great research and you're saying there's no question this company should be doing well, there's just other, you know nefarious factors going on that make me kind of stay away for a little while. I just need everything to play out. Make sure that the Federal Reserve does the right thing, helps to try to go and like get us past all this. But I know that when legalization comes into play, the market's going to be hot again. And that's where I want to make sure I'm in on it early. So I'm waiting for the right, right. time to jump. And all other companies are Certainly. the same way on the investment end, on the large scale right. M&A end. We're keeping an eye on that. So right. again, Certainly appreciate that approach. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, listeners, for listening in. I hope you really enjoyed the program. If you want to hear more like this, please reach out. Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O, at CannabisRadio.com. 
I want to hear your thoughts. And we will talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.